You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Today is Sunday, November 22nd, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 383 featuring Mass Live Celtics Beat writer Tom Westerholm is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today for your exclusive sign-up bonus. Also, go to Theragun.com beat to get up to $150 off select items. All right, everyone, welcome into a new edition of Celtics Beat. Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, of course, you know him well, our producer, sometimes host, and Tom Westerholm from Mass Live joins us, good friend of this program. Tom, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, pleasure. Now, I mean, you don't know this, you weren't with us, but Evan certainly knows this. The last time we did a show was 10 days ago. Like, it, you know, on, on good pods like yours, the Genotime <laughs> podcast, you go, you know, often. You, you, people get to hear from you all the time. We're lazy here. We go every <laughs> once in a while. So it's been 10 days since we did a show. And the reason for that, so people understand, don't just actually think we're lazy, is this. So last time we spoke, it was pre-everything. You know, it wasn't the NBA draft yet. It was, you know, trades weren't even happening yet officially. You know, you didn't have the start of free agency. And then we thought, okay, well, we could react right after the draft, but we knew we were going to have the Gordon Hayward news or at least some form of it. And it's Cantor, Shemi Ojale, Daniel Tice, guys like that. Let's push a little bit. And then there was all this nonsense that we'll get to concerning Gordon Hayward, which unfortunately still is not resolved. So <laughs> we was like, let's just go to the last possible moment, which is a Sunday evening release in hopes that it breaks down by then. Instead, uh, I have... You know, I, I, it's been 10 days and about 7,000 tweets by me since we last had a show, and here we are. And I think I think we all, as Celtics fans, followers, supporters, critics, whatever you happen to be, let's all just, just – so much has happened. I don't have a single note in front of me. I don't need it. It's all up here. It's all, So much has gone on concerning this team from, as we know, like this is not the most important, but it's just – relatively fresh Daniel Tice is back and his canter traded away Shemi Ojale is back or at least his contract is uh Vincent Poirier traded away uh, Gordon Hayward is going to be a hornet in some way shape or form for money that cannot even be defended by Michael Jordan I don't understand <laughs> it four years 120 million dollars not to bury the lead Jason Tatum is going to be around for the next at least five years maybe six maybe all eternity but at least the next five he has signed a massive contract 
that is the max. We all expected it, a five-year extension, but the fifth year is a player option. But a five-year extension up to $195, $200 million could be as low as around 163 or so. You know, all the cap semantics we don't need to get into. Fact of the matter is, all people really care about, he's on the books, and he's not going anywhere. You know, the Jays are locked up. They're signed up. And, of course, the draft. Celtics needed shooters. They went out, they got a couple of shooters. Aaron Neesmith out of Vanderbilt. They got uh, Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon. They traded that 30th pick in uh, a deal to acquire a couple more second rounders. I don't even know if that one has been made official yet. And uh, you also have Yam Madar out of Israel, who don't concern yourselves with him. He's a, you know, draft and stash. You're not going to see him anytime soon. And fans are probably just disappointed that it's Yam and not Yam. So here we are. We're all caught up. We're, we're trying to take a deep breath with all this. So you should take a deep breath yourself here. You guys are going to be lucky if you get to say anything in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much. There's so much to get to. And I made the mistake of tweeting out asking for questions right before we came <laughs> up. And we're going to answer as many of them as we possibly can at the end of the show. But first, let's just let's let's get to this. Were you, Tom, as blown away, and we'll do the draft and all that, but Hayward is the biggest thing. Were you as blown away as I think certainly we were and everybody was? Not that he's not coming back next year. I never thought he was coming back next year. That would have been kind of an upset, but not as big an upset as him landing in Charlotte for $30 million a year coming off three injury plague seasons. I mean, it's absolutely wild, and especially when you consider that they had to waive Batum, and so it, it like real or stretch and wave Batum, so it actually adds up to like thirty nine million. Like when you take it all into account, like that they're spending so much money to employ Gordon Hayward, and you know he, he's a really good player when he's healthy. Like I get that he was going to be expensive, but I was blown away. I mean, I thought you know I figured he probably had like a decent deal lined up. If you're going to opt out of thirty four million dollars, like you must have something, and for him to get like not just you know a decent deal, but like I mean, he's barely going to lose any money on the front end, like in the first year of his contract. So, I mean, like just a, an absurd amount of money and like something the Celtics just obviously, I mean, they certainly would have loved to have had him back. He would be a very useful player and, you know, probably better than anybody else that they, you know, could have locked up this offseason. But at that kind of money, you just say like, that's that's absurd. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it works out for Charlotte. Um, again, he's good. He's a veteran. He might be nice next to LaMelo Ball, but that – that was a lot more money than I would have been comfortable uh, handing to Gordon Hayward at this stage in his career. Oh, I didn't even mention off the top. Holy crap, like an idiot. You the Shame on you guys for not mentioning this. Tristan Thompson's here. Jeff T oh, yeah. is here. Okay. Like, oh, oh, by wow. the way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, you know, the guys they did get. <laughs> and, and Brad Wanamaker is gone. And, and I, I bring that up because obviously, you know, so like so far, I'm not going to call this offseason an all-out win. That would be homer level to the next level. However, if you want to just piecemeal it, kind of, Tristan Thompson is an upgrade over Ennis Cantor, and I don't understand anyone that would feel any differently, and I don't think many people do. Jeff Teague is an upgrade over Brad Wanamaker. Again, same thing that I just said about that last one. There is no downside to that whatsoever as compared to Wanamaker, and God bless the guy, loved him, best of luck in Golden State. The Celtics have upgraded. The only question here becomes, 
what happens with this Gordon Hayward situation. He's not back, similar to Al Horford, who, of course, goes to Philly, gets dumped to the Thunder. That contract looked bad immediately. Gordon Hayward's contract may look bad immediately. Hell, it maybe already does because, you know, as you mentioned, it's you could argue it's $39 million a year. He was not getting paid. Coming off of three healthy seasons where he was an all-star for the Celtics in an alternate reality, he still wouldn't have commanded $40 million a year on the open market. So this deal, for so many reasons doesn't make sense to me but putting that aside this situation is not complete yet are you under the assumption that i am that we're still just waiting for the sign and trade that the celtics are going to get something out of this that really does seem to be the most logical outcome here um like just if you if you just look at it you know kind of analytically it's like okay so uh like this deal could have been consummated already like i think that the hornets probably you know, I don't want to say they owe the Celtics a favor because that's not really how NBA business works. But like the Celtics helped them out last year with with uh, Terry Rozier getting there. And, you know, it, like it, it's pretty much no skin off their back to help the Celtics out here and get them a sign and trade. Like that just seems like, you know, decent you know way to do your business. So um, and, and that would be pretty easy to execute if you did not if you weren't trying to work something else into the deal. So it, I don't know if anything's going to come together. I think it's perfectly possible that the Celtics are trying to do something a little complex here and, you know, maybe nothing comes out and, and we just don't know. And, you know, at that point, it could just be that the Celtics get a, a traded player exception back that they can try to use. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it does kind of feel like there, there might be something brewing, like, like something might be coming down the pike and I will be fascinated to see, uh, see what that might be. I'm just, I just can't believe that 20 it. or $30 million massive trade exception, but yeah, Evan, I mean, thoughts obviously on Hayward going to Charlotte, but also, where do you fall on the whole Danny Ainge situation? Because as we know, Twitter erupted. It was fire Danny. Danny sucks. How is Miles Turner not here? How is Dougie McBuckets not here? How is Gordon Hayward gone for nothing? And I think what we're seeing here is Gordon Hayward's not gone for nothing. Not yet. I don't believe he will be. But I don't think that that Indiana trade, if it ever existed in the first place, which we don't know, was the answer anyway. Well, yeah, you could you could break it down in a couple different ways. Um First thing is the Indian the the Danny Ainge Blewett thing and this whole Indiana part of the this equation is is complicated because like in order and and this is I think people have regurgitated this enough that I think it got pounded into people's heads the past twenty four hours I think people have now have a better understanding of this Danny Ainge it doesn't uh, matter don't, don't haven't you ever heard talk to me like I'm five that's, that's true what I think that's people true. need right now <laughs> I feel like I feel like it, it's it's gotten to the, enough points where like I think people are starting to get it. The Indiana thing was, you know, a, a, a good way out if, as long as Gordon, like, signs the amount of money that Indiana's willing to pay him. I think we've all figured out at this point that Indiana was not going to go to four years, $120 million, no, nor should they. So Gordon's, you know, it's either – and I've seen the report of, like, it was maybe four years, $100 million is what they would have offered. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen the actual number or figure come out yet, but that was the speculation. So Gordon turned down $20 million to, or, or did not turn down $20 million. He just got an extra $20 million to not go home. And again, yeah, they're not right there. So understand that like, the Indiana trade there is only available if Gordon signs the deal that Indiana wants him to, to play for, right? So once Charlotte comes in with a $120 million offer, the Indiana trade, like, oh, yeah, see you, bye. Like, that's gone. So now you have to evaluate it separately. Now, you know, Gordon leaving for a traded player exception, um, isn't the best thing in the world. And I'll be honest with you, it's not. It's it's really, really terrible in terms of, like, losing a, a really good asset for relatively nothing. Like, okay, they get a TPE, and maybe they use it. I mean, I you know, you never know. Maybe they there's some disgruntled player somewhere they can, they can you know, somehow get into the Celtics roster somehow. But I, 
Like, don't be probably surprised. Probably not logged in, by the way. Well, I mean, that's just not, like probably not that's, landing here. For people want that's not. That's just not. I mean, it's going to be there, but I mean, how often do TPEs get not used? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of times they expire. I mean, this is a sizable one potentially. So maybe uh, there's a little bit more of a, an effort to to make that work. But I mean, it what it just looks bad for Danny. But it only looks bad for Danny because MJ and his crew are a bunch of morons. They are they're they're literally paying forty million dollars a year for the next three years to have only one guy play for them and, and literally get Nick Batum out of there. I was kind of hoping that Batum like would sign with the Celtics for a veteran like veteran minimum deal and just like would would be a hilarious just fortune reversal. But I, I mean, people killed Ainge at first. Totally get it. But this isn't Ainge's fault if people are going to be stupid and sign huge contracts to players that have huge risks. Al Horford, I mean, I love Al. Don't get me wrong, big fan. Al Horford giving him the money that he got was absolutely insane, and Philly had to dump Al with two picks, including one first-rounder, to get rid of him. Now here we have MJ giving a guy who's never been healthy the past four years $120 million. I mean, sometimes it's just bad luck, and I understand people want to have – blame somewhere they want to they want to put somebody's head on a, on a pike or something i get it but this isn't danny's fault this is just mj being stupid handing out an absolute ludicrous contract I, I i just why what is the point of adding gordon hayward what timeline are you on like what are we doing like you just drafted the mellow ball right you just drafted the mellow you have terry rozier as like what the most veteran guy on your team at this point right terry rozier you have Miles Bridges, <laughs> two, two guys, by the Graham. way, who reportedly didn't love each other in Boston. If if we're just <laughs> to put that out there, right? Rozier there, and Hayward reportedly there are a whole bunch of stories about them not exactly being on the same page. I just don't like none of this makes sense, and like everybody wants to cream Ainge, but it's like, well, what do we? What is this? Like, and, there, and let's talk about what seed is 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 Charlotte gunning for eight and nine. I mean, it's it's not like people got worse. I mean, Indiana's going to take maybe a step back because it seems like it's a little weird going on in Indiana right now. But think of the teams in front of them. A lot of them, you know, got better or will get better with marginal increases in their roster. Like, it, what is Char- – like, Charlotte's good in for the seventh seed, so they get smoked by Brooklyn in the first round? Like, what is this? I just well, think- and, they're, and they're taking themselves out of the Cade Cunningham stakes in the, in the process. Like, they could have been bad enough to get one of these really top picks in 2021 too. Right, right. And what Cade, was the justification Cade- in – in paying Hayward and not paying Kemba Walker, who was the franchise also. Yeah. That's just a bad one. look. It's just a bad <laughs> yeah. look. It's a bad look. And I know people want to kill Ains for this because he's not going to get anything out of this Gordon Hayward deal. It's, I, it sucks. I totally get it. But what has just happened two off seasons in a row is ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous that other teams have done that. It's just hysterical to me. It's hysterical. And unfortunately, yeah, it affects the Suns in a negative way. And I think Danny – did a, a, an okay job trying to trying to figure it out on the fly again. I mean, to, I'll give Danny a lot of credit. He's lost Al Warford and Gordon Hayward. And been, those two guys have been poached off their roster with stupid contracts. And Danny's turned into Kemba, Tristan Thompson, Jeff Teague. He's trying. So I'll, I'll give him credit for that. But I just, like, 24 hours later, you know, I just still can't believe how dumb MJ is. Sorry. Well, also, do, do people – a rhetorical question, I think, I hope, but you know, for all the people, the, you know, the, I, I hate to even like mention him because I'm going against everything I believe, but for the Nick Wrights of the world, 
you know, or the, or the Stefan Brody's of the world or who the, you know, all the people out there that are, that are getting all the social media traction for saying, well, there goes another, you know, max free agent signing by Danny Ainge out the door before even finishing out his contract, meaning obviously not opting in for the player year. Do, is there anyone, is there a single Celtics fan out there that is thinking to themselves, you know what, man, I wish Danny gave Al Horford four years and, 120 million or whatever it is that that the Sixers gave maybe one of you can remember or I I wish you know Gordon Hayward off of three years in which he didn't look a damn thing like he did in Utah except for in fleeting moments and finish the year hurt so he's still going into next year with that as a lasting memory even if he's healthy in camp that's your lasting memory is is that playoff finish for Gordon Hayward, which by the way, not his fault, like freak injury after freak injury. It is not his fault that he's probably going to go down as the worst free agent signing of Celtics history, short of Rick Pitino, that he did this over the course of those three seasons, you know, all starting within six minutes of his Celtics career. Did anyone, anyone, anyone want to give him four years, $120 million? No. The only thing that Danny is getting beaten over, you know, the head with is, how did this deal that may or may not have even existed not get made with the Pacers? And the only thing that I say to that, well, I, I have a lot of things to say to that, but the, the main thing that I say to that is Miles Turner sucks at basketball. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand the infatuation with Miles Turner other than the fact that he's young, he's a name, and he blocks a bunch of shots. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing that I was going to bring up, too. Um, like, th- that Pacers deal that was reported just wasn't that good unless they added something good to it. And there really wasn't, like, a comfortable way to sort of, you know, make it a middle ground. Because I agree with you. I think, like, Tristan Thompson is a better pickup than Miles Turner would have been. T- Turner can protect the rim, but the Celtics, you know, didn't really have that much of a rim protection problem with Tice. Like, he, he played really well, um, you know. Tice is, is versatile, like Thompson is big and, and you know, can uh, kind of guard against some of those really powerfully built Eastern Conference centers. And, like, not for nothing, like, Turner just really struggles against Joel Embiid. Like, he's not the answer against him. So, like, sure, like, you know, Miles Turner can do some things. Like, he can space the floor to the three-point line. He can block shots. But he doesn't really rebound. He doesn't really give you any muscle inside. And he can't really switch out to the perimeter. So, he doesn't really bring the Celtics anything that they desperately need. And he's $18 million a year. Like, I don't necessarily see why, like, you know, bringing on $25 million combined between him and Doug McDermott was, was like a great, you know, like a great option. You know, like, I don't know that that's better than a traded player exception. I, I, like, I, I really don't. So um, if, if you think it's bad money, then I don't think it is. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. I, I think that that's, uh, I think that's something that got lost a little bit yesterday, although it does kind of seem to be coming around a little bit more today in, in the way that everybody's talking. Here's another thing too with, you know, now that this Tatum deal is done and I don't, I don't think anyone was worried about it happening. It was inevitable. It was going to happen. I know some people, because this is how Celtics fans are built and I will include myself in this people, you know, freak out about any sort of what could go wrong. Well, I, I get that in 2025, he'll have a player option and it's possible that it, 27 years old or whoever he'll be at that point he could leave yes that is possible can we enjoy the next five years of Jason Tatum before we worry about him maybe leaving when he has a player option I I know this is a little fresh with Hayward and with with Horford but 
2025. So you've got you get the Jays locked up. Uh, you know, a couple of perennial future all stars, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, hopefully a, a top five player in the NBA going forward in Jason Tatum by the time that he really gets into his prime, which he is. You know, he's still years away technically from hitting his prime years. And Jalen Brown is only getting better by the year, and and could have been an all star this past season. So you have those guys locked up. It's five for the next Tatum, four for the next for Brown. Kemba Walker is another two years before his player option. Marcus Smart has another two years before he hits free agency. That's your core. You know, not like younger guys that could turn into something like whether it's Neesmith or Pritchard or Lankford or the Williamses, you know, Grant and Rob. Like young guys notwithstanding, the core guys that we know about, we know what they are and, and what they hope to be. You don't have any bad contracts on the books going forward if you're the Celtics, with the exception of maybe Kemba's knee, which still scares me to death. And I understood all the – I don't know if the, it, there was validity in Danny Ainge shopping him around and trying to make a Drew Holiday swap. But, you know, they didn't – those rumors didn't surprise me at all, Tom. I, I understood it. I thought it would have been a really – we've talked about this a lot in the show, so we don't need to really dive in. It would have been a really bad look for PR reasons to trade away, you know, arguably – the best free agent signing you've ever had in Kemba Walker a year removed because of a knee injury, but it's also business. And that knee understandably should be petrifying for the Celtics going forward for Kemba Walker. That's the only potentially bad contract they've got on the books right now. Yeah. I mean, like, I see what you're saying. I, I think that it's worth, you know, seeing what Kemba can do a little bit next year, obviously, before we like declare it a, like a potentially disastrous contract. Like, but it's, you know, like we'll see how he ages for sure. Um, you know, I, I still, I still kind of, I think there's like reason to have like hope for him. I mean, he had, he's been like very healthy throughout his career. I don't necessarily know that, um, you know, one season where he was a little banged up is, is necessarily going to be representative going forward. I know there's a counter argument that's like, well, but he put all those miles on his knee by playing all those games before. And that's certainly fair too. But I mean, he, he's a guy who really cares about basketball. I, I think that he's going to be somebody who really tries to prolong his career, um, you know, tries to maintain his edge for as long as he can. So, yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't feel, like, bad about having him around at all. I think that he's going to be a, you know, a nice player moving forward. Um, but, you know, to your point, like, that's, yeah, there, there really is not a bad deal on this roster. And, and I think that, like you said, there was some freak out about Tatum having that, uh, that option on his, on his final year. And I'm just, like, I don't think that, like, like what did you want them to do? Like, he <laughs> is the face of the franchise. I really think that, like, whatever he walked in with and said, here's what I want, you know, Maybe there was some small pushback about like, well, can, can we please have you for one more year? And he just like, no, the player option at that point, what are you going to do? He is the guy that you need to keep happy now going forward. And uh, I think pretty much like what he asks for, you have to just kind of give him at this point. And so people are aware Donovan Mitchell, same thing in Utah, by the way. Uh -huh, so it's right, not yeah. like it was just Jason Tatum that, you know, and any other rookie was the guaranteed five, you know, he got a player option as well. But Evan, I, again, I just don't, there's not a lot. I realize the Gordon Hayward situation. We'll get questions from it from from Twitter people uh, in a little while. But there, there's still some uncertainty. And in a perfect world, it'll break in the next five minutes while we're still talking about it. 100%. But other than that, like the the Celtics continue to be building in the right direction, especially with those offseason moves. I don't think, you know, because people are still kind of pissed off for whatever reason about not getting Miles Turner. I don't think the Tristan Thompson and, and Jeff Teague additions are getting enough love. Well, it gives people 
again, I get obsessed with potential and the idea of, of, of Miles Turner being a rim running, not three shooting, shot blocking, you know, behemoth in the middle of the paint. Like that's just attractive and he's only 24. So maybe that'll end up happening and people, you know, they seem to believe in Brad Stevens enough to maybe think that he can get it on him. I don't know. I have no idea with, with Miles Turner. I, I do like his potential. I liked him in college, but, you know, he needs a little more seasoning. Tristan Thompson doesn't need any seasoning. He knows what he's good at. You know, let's just get one thing out of the way. He knows what he's there for, rebounding, defense, you know, offensive rebounding in the paint, you know, easy shots in the paint, lobs. He's going to do a lot of things that he, that this team desperately needs. I and mean, they really needed somebody to go up against Van Adebayo in the last, you know, last year's, and this feels weird to say it, but last year's Eastern Conference, or this past Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, bam killed him. And, Whenever and, the hell it was during the well, pandemic. It was, it happened. Uh, Tristan Thompson would have been a nice addition. And look, we've been kind of flirting around with this Tristan Thompson thing for a bit. I know a lot of people were at least curious and I would say enthusiastic about maybe adding a, a, a player of Tristan Thompson's caliber during the buyout portion of the season. I know people were thinking about that, hoping for that didn't happen. Not sure why Cleveland didn't do that, but hey, whatever. Um, and, and you know, I thought Brad Wanamaker, by the time it was all done, um, was a really solid backup point guard that would make really three or four dumb mistakes a game. Um, and you bring in Marcus T, who's a little bit more of a, of a veteran in that Jeff particular T. capacity. Or, yeah, Jeff T. Marcus T. spelling was terrible. Um, but Jeff T. <laughs> is, is a guy that they've chased, I think, for quite a bit. I think somebody has mentioned that, that it was like the white whale of Brad Stevens to get Jeff T. And yeah, trying to get him in going back to trying to get him in Butler. Yeah. Yeah, try to go back to college all the way back there. So I, 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 this team needed veteran leadership last year. It was pretty obvious that they were missing like a, a vet who could bring them together. And they got one in, in Thompson who's been there, done that one a ring before. So there's some value there that you would never get out of Miles Turner. Like as, as cool as Turner is, he doesn't have the pedigree that Thompson has. And I, and people want to be like, oh, potential. Like, yeah, okay, cool. But Tristan Thompson's done this before. Okay. He's a, a grown adult in, in this team. You know, it's a young team. Look at you got Tatum, Brown, Smart is like the elder statesman. Uh, Pritchard, Neesmith, Langford, Rob, Grant. I mean, there's eight guys off the top of my head that are all like, what, 25 and under? I mean, it's a young team. They need somebody with some experience. So both of these make a lot of sense. It's not, you know, the ideal scenario. But, again, Danny had to do what he had to do. Um, and did a decent job. I mean, I think their their front court's a lot lot better now than it was last year. I mean, we can, you know, again, Cantor was a great locker room guy, but you know, Tristan Thompson's better than him at a lot of things. And they needed a guy that can facilitate their offense because they lost Hayward, they lost the ball handler, and that's tough. Luckily, Smart's been you know a much better point guard the last year, two years or so, so he can take some of those responsibilities. Tatum's going to take some of those as well, I think, as he progresses forward. He's going to have to become more of a facilitator um, at that wing spot. They have Kemba Smart. And getting a Teague, again, gives you an adult. Somebody for Pritchard to kind of, you know, get a little uh, mentoring after as well. So I think it's all said and done, a slightly, slightly more interesting roster I don't think they're better, though. I think, you know, if Hayward's healthy, they're a much better roster, and that really sucks about this whole thing. Quit living in the past, Evan. Hayward's gone. He's not hey, coming back. <laughs> you know, so, hey, look, they're not – are they better? They're not better. They're not better. Unless, unless you have, like, incrypt, you know, improvements from Brown and Tatum that, you know, people are probably going to expect. If they, you know, take another leap, then fine. But this team's not better than they were last year. Well, they're definitely not better, but it is interesting. Like, I think that they're a better team than the team that, like, knocked out 
you know, the Raptors and, and finished off the Sixers, um, you know, that didn't have Hayward. You know, I think that they have a little bit more depth. Um, I think that, I, I think that Neesmith is going to be able to contribute early. I think he's going to be able to shoot off the bench. Um, you know, like, I, I think that they have probably a little bit more depth, um, you know, like coming in. Uh, so like, yeah, they're, they're like, Gordon Hayward makes this team better than what it is right now, but the team that, you know, made it to the Eastern conference finals did so without Hayward for the most part, uh, after he sprained his ankle against Philly. So I think there is something there, there's something to that. Like they're not the best that they could have been, but you know, this is, this is kind of a, a decent second place option, I guess. Folks, one quick break as uh, NFL football continues on this week, and it's it's been an interesting Sunday here. Of course, a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. You might not be at a game this year. Very few people are, and that stinks. Still, you can be in on the action at Ben Online. And that includes, by the way, with the NBA season beginning one month from today, one month from right now probably for some teams, NBA Rookie of the Year odds. That's a good way to transition into rookie talk. Lamella Ball plus 400 to win the award. Anthony Edwards, plus 500. James Wiseman at plus 500 as well. You have uh, Obi Topin, Obi Topin, plus 700. Uh, Killian Hayes, plus 800. And then, of course, the guys that we care about as Celtics fans. Aaron Neesmith, plus 2,500. Peyton Pritchard, plus 8,000. And no matter how schedules change or players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager on than uh, anywhere online for that matter. You can head to Bet Online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, as uh, we chat here with Tom Westerholm, Evan Valenti, I'm Adam Kaufman. I think uh, you all know that by now. There, if I were to rank the draftniks, the pundits, you know, among us when it comes to uh, prospects, Tom, you're right there at the top. And then, uh, you know, Evan, right after you, and I am, I am a distant third at the bottom of the list. I, I don't know a lot about these two other than obviously what I've taken the time to watch and to read since the Celtics drafted them. And I, you know, knew going into the draft, I, I could tell you as much as these two are uh, acclaimed shooters. Neesmith obviously regarded as the best shooter in the draft. I think the Celtics did well to get who they got at the spots that they were. There were a lot of rumors about trading up, many of which I didn't really buy into, especially the people that were talking about Marcus Smart going to Golden State for the number two pick or the C's trying to trade into the top three or or package up to the top six and then move that pick, part of a Drew Holiday thing, yada, yada, yada. That stuff, it never really felt real to me. So the Celtics... All due respect to Yamadar, we're not talking about him right now. Celtics got add two guys that should be on Boston's roster. Maybe Pritchard spends a little time in Maine, but these guys really should both be on Boston's roster this year. And they appear to have that kind of, you know, microwave instant buckets off the bench shooting that the Celtics have longed for basically since the Eddie House days. But I can't say that without saying this. So did Carson Edwards, and it didn't pan out, at least not yet. So what do you expect from these guys right here? What can you tell us? Well, I mean, the, the thing with Carson is that he was always a streaky shooter in college. And, and I think the thing that people kind of latched onto, and, and understandably, because it's what everybody watched, but I mean, he was great in the tournament. Um, mm. But like that season, he shot like 36% from three. You know, he wasn't um, like super, super consistent. Um, Neesmith, you know, there's a small, like kind of, I don't want to call them red flags. There's small things to watch out for, like, his shooting percentage looks amazing because he shot 52% from three his sophomore season. But it's worth remembering that that was in 14 games. So it was a relatively small sample size, even though he shot about eight threes a game 
and his competition was real mediocre. Um, he did not hit his team's uh, best games um, before he was sidelined with an injury for the rest of the year. So there is that to keep in mind. That said, he, he's a knockdown shooter. I mean, he's, he's really, really good. He's got great footwork off the ball. Um, you know, like I, I saw a bunch of comparisons to J.J. Redick. I think that's, you know, probably – We'll see if he shoots as well as Redick, but I think that's a type of player, you know, kind of an archetype that he can follow offensively. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's a good player. Uh, I think he's going to be able to contribute. Um, you know, as somebody who, uh, in, in a lot of my men's leagues, I, I average, you know, somewhere between 15 to 20 points a game that are all on three pointers that are all catch and shoot. <laughs> uh, I, I respect his game immensely. Um, and, and I, I like, I like his defensive potential. I don't think he's going to be some like, you know, Tony Allen guy, but I, I do think that, you know, he's strong, he's long, um, you know, six, six with, I think a six ten wingspan. There's a lot to like there. And I think that especially within like a Brad Stevens defense, you know, there's like a very good chance that he comes out as a, a plus defender of some kind. So, you know, I don't think the Celtics drafted like, like, you know, some former superstar, some franchise building block or anything, but I think they picked up a guy who's going to be able to help them quite a bit and has, you know, some nice NBA upside. Yeah, I, uh, I I went in, like, after the we were done with the draft, I, I remember thinking I liked the Pritchard pick quite a bit, and I wasn't as high on the Neesmith pick. Um, and then the next day, I did a little more deep dive, and I flipped my, my response. I think the Neesmith <laughs> pick was a real was a real solid pick. Um, the, 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 the small sample size thing, I, told, I think people I, – I, I hear you. I get it. But when you're shooting eight threes a game and hitting half of them, I don't care how many freaking games you play. Like, that's, that's pretty impressive. 14, and it's not like 14 games isn't a big sample size. It's a decent chunk of games. Um, his form was, is fantastic. Um, and I, I actually really enjoyed some of the things that Jerry Stackhouse, his coach of Vanderbilt, said about him. Um, he, he talked about how he kind of reminds him of Allen Houston. And so I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I like that. So go back and watch some Allen Houston tape and, you know, I know it's tough because it's 90s basketball and it's like the fourth quarter and it's 68-62. It's just like, oh, this, is, this is a tough watch right now. But the one thing I do like about Allen Houston, he's a really excellent either catch-and-shoot guy or a really proficient one-dribble or two-dribble pull-up guy, which is exactly what Neesmith kind of is. Don't ask Neesmith to do a lot of creation for you. He's not going to be able to do that. Um, you know, you could, you could cite his role is just, you know, it's just not that. And especially against the teams that he was playing against, the fact he didn't show it against like the some of the I've never even heard of some of the teams they played last year. I've I, there, there there were games, and I'm like I've never even uh, what does that even stand for? I don't know what the, <laughs> the acronym stands for. So um, I, he's not going to be a f- big facilitator guy. It's going to be something maybe that he develops along the way, but he's going to be able to come in and shoot the hell out of basketball. I mean, he really is. And what's great is. He knows how to relocate, you know, off a, you know, uh, some sort of, you know, he'll dish it out and then find a way to get the ball back and, 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 and get open shots. Uh, he's great, you know, coming off the of screens, DHOs. I mean, you're going to see a lot of dribble handoffs, uh, next year, I think. Um, and I, I, I'll be honest, the defensive stuff is what got me, I think, the most excited though, because, if you can defend a little bit on this team, you're going to get, you're going to see the floor. I mean, it's really how, you know, smart sees the floor. Go back to early Jalen Brown. When Jalen was playing well defensively, he saw the floor. When he wasn't, never saw the floor. Um, and they need a, a guy to step in at the wing to defend after Hayward leaves. I mean, they desperately need it. So uh, that 6'10 wingspan is going to be big. He's a grown adult. Uh, his diet is amazing. I don't know if anybody saw the video of him cooking in the, in the, in the kitchen, he was making French toast, but he's like, yeah, every day for lunch, I have a salad of walnuts, like a spinach salad 
with walnuts in it. And I'm like, I had a pizza. Like, what is this? This is crazy. <laughs> so uh, he seems like a full adult. He, he, you know, looks at the Chris Middleton, which I think is maybe his best outcome there, um, both from Charleston, South Carolina, which is really cool. I, I'm a big fan. I think he's definitely a threat to be a big impact of a player. And what I thought at the time was this was a shit. We missed out on Tyler Hero. We can't do that again. Pick. That's what it felt like to me. I mean, it really – It's you think, you know, what would this season have done with Tyler Hero who went one pick before them, and he, like, talked about how he thought he was going there anyway. This felt like we can't let this ca- this caliber of a shooter get by us again. We just can't do it. And, again, there were intriguing options in front of them that I'm sure people were like, trade up for Halliburton or whatever. I get that, and that would have been cool too. Well, uh, Yeah, Vassell is another guy Vassell, who can yeah. really shoot the crap out of the ball. Huge wingspan. I mean, goes on for days. Um, but Neesmith is a real solid pick. I mean, really solid. He knows what he's good at, uh, and I think there's some serious growth for a couple of things. But, I mean, he's going to be a guy, roll the ball out, he should be able to play right away. Would you say, Tom, that the Celtics did well for themselves in the draft, or were there guys at the spots that they did pick? You know, obviously you can always imagine a world where they made trades, but at the spots that they did pick, were there guys that you would have preferred they land? There were definitely guys like I had no problem with the Neesmith pick. I, I like to, I have to, you know, do like big boards and stuff like that. I, I kind of, for me personally, I kind of put guys more in tiers. Um, you know, I think that that's a more useful way. Like Neesmith is right in that tier at 14. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good spot for him. Um, you know, I, I had a couple other guys up there too. I really liked RJ Hampton, um, you know, uh, guys who, you know, also could be good options, but I think that Neesmith was just fine there. Um, 26, I had a bunch of guys ahead of Pritchard. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I like even just point guards. I really liked Tyrell Terry. Uh, he ended up going 31st. That was a lot lower than I would have had him. Um, you know, there, and there were, there were some other guys too that I, that I liked better than Pritchard. Um, you know, even if, even if you don't go, uh, you know, point guard, I really liked Desmond Bain, the guy they ended up picking mm-hmm. and then trading to Memphis. Um, but Look, I mean, like Danny has seen a lot of Peyton Pritchard. Uh, you know, he's clearly formed an opinion on him. And, and I think that, like, you know, if you trust, like, the thing you can trust about the Celtics scouting is that they have done the homework. Like, they've been there. They've seen these guys. They, like, they have a very solid evaluation. Like, they're not just throwing darts at a dartboard. Um, and they've watched Pritchard for four years now. Like, you know, they've got a, a good idea of who he is and how he plays. Um, so, you know, if he was their guy, like, that – I understand it. I, I certainly see the vision. Like he can shoot, he can push the pace. Um, you know, I think he can compete for backup point guard minutes right away. So we'll, we'll see how it works out. He wouldn't have been like my top choice, but I'm not going to give the Celtics like a failing grade for the draft because they picked Peyton Pritchard, partly because I think they did well with Neesmith as well. So um, I think they got a couple of guys who can contribute and how much they will, you know, that's kind of what remains to be seen, but you know, not drafting Tyrell Terry is a hit to my draft board. I won't lie to you. It so hit me this? right to heart. I couldn't believe they left him <laughs> off. I, He's I gonna be like, good, man. <laughs> I'm so mad. Like, well, the thing with Pritchard, though, and I and Is I like he's Bible all over again for people. I don't think it's that bad. I, although, you know, Brandon Clark would have been nice too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the Pritchard pick again. The more you read, and Chris Redden did a great job on Forbes with a really nice piece uh, earlier in the week. Um, but I, the Pritchard pick, if you watch him compete, it's more about like his motor and his, his competitiveness. Like he doesn't back down from a challenge. He has done throughout high school, like all these huge events. I think he beat Jalen Brown's team in, in a yeah. tournament at some point in high school yeah. um, was like, I think I'm three or I think three, six, a state championship teams for his, the, for the, for Oregon. I think I don't, don't, you know, don't fact check me on that, but it's two or three, I think. Um, 
So he's a guy that is a winner. So uh, teams are going to like, you know, like guys that are winners. He's Pac-12 player of the year last year, um, was a finalist for the player of the year, went to Obi Toppin, uh, but was a finalist for that award as well. Can really shoot, um, you know, and, and, and shoot in a couple awkward ways as well. And his vision, when it's good, is really fun. I mean, really fun. There are, let, you know, steps that he has to take as a pick and roll ball handler that, you know, Mike Schmidt's, you know, uh, diagrams over a draft express on ESPN. If you want to check that out, it's mm-hmm. great. But he, there's a lot of very advanced reads that he needs to get better at. Um, because if he, you know, wants to take a real big leap, he's going to have to be able to distribute the ball like offhand, you know, cross court to the wide open shooter because that's the right play. Um, but I, I like the pick because he can really shoot. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Uh, I, I think he'll compete defensively. He's not 5'10", like Carson Edwards is 6'2". <laughs> so that's a little bit better. Um, and he's he's a winner. And, that, and, and you know, you, I don't know if anybody heard the the Bill Walton rant on Peyton Pritchard, why I should take him. No. And it went in, like, 18 different directions. But at the end of the day, he's like, I really like Peyton Pritchard. So, look, I like Bill Walton. Bill Walton's funny to me. And if Bill <laughs> Walton likes it, then I'm going to be happy about it. That's all. What is if, – if you were to – we're going to get to the Twitter questions in a second. But if, if you were to attempt to – this is very difficult, Tom. If you were to attempt to project ahead to, let's say, midseason – and in a pretend world that doesn't exist where everybody is healthy as well. How does this break down in terms of, you know, depth chart to you? And, and also just, you know, like where are the shots going? It, like in order for Jason Tatum to continue to evolve, obviously he's going to want 20 shots a game. Jalen Brown has certainly commanded X number of shots per game, whether that's 12 to 15. You look at a guy like, you know, Marcus, we know, wants to shoot. Marcus, whether he should or not, Marcus Smart wants to shoot, and there are going to be those nights where he's still putting up eight to ten three-pointers. Not on the regular. It's usually going to be around, you know, three to six, but there are going to be those nights that he's going to put up a boatload. Then you got these shooters that you bring in. Jeff Teague is still going to get his off the bench. I'm not so concerned about, you know, the bigs, any of them really, you know, contributing heavily to the offense. You know, maybe they're in the ballpark of – eight, 10 points a game, any of those three between uh, Robert Williams, obviously Tristan Thompson and, uh, and Daniel Tice coming back as well. I'm not even certain who's going to start among those three, quite frankly, even though that doesn't really matter. But if you were to just look at who is sort of commanding the shots and who's getting theirs in order for everyone to, to be content, what does this look like? Well, I mean, I, you know, I think that... And I didn't even mention Kemba, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, I think that, you know, you, you broke it down pretty well. I mean, I think that, like, you know, I think there's I think there's plenty of room for... Because, look, I mean, everybody understands that on this team, if you are not Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, or Kemba Walker when he's, you know, hopefully healthy, then your job is to make Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kemba Walker better, is to, like, make their jobs easier. And, like, you know, Neesmith basically said as much after he was drafted he's i'm he called himself an absolute sniper which i loved and then he uh, (laughs) immediately like started talking about like i know that i am here to try to make life easier for tatum like that's that's what my role is so i think that that will be pretty well defined on on this year's team kemba was definitely the most you know eager to praise Tatum eager to of kind of like the veterans last year you know he like Tatum Jalen he loves talking about those guys or or at very least anytime we asked about them he uh, was happy to talk about them I don't know if he loved talking to the media nobody does um, but he uh, you know like I, I think that all those guys are going to get what they need and then it's just going to kind of be a night-to-night thing with everyone else like did they need Neesmith to you know take five three-pointers tonight great he, he you know he can do that 
you know, did they need, uh, you know, Romeo Langford to come in and, 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 you know, try to get them like 10 points off the bench? Like, great. He can try to do that, but it's not going to, you know, if there's guys who are going to have egos, if there's guys who are going to be like, I deserve more, I don't know that they'll be on the team very long because like this team is now the, the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and, you know, Kemba Walker show. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a, that's a real good trio. Uh, but you know, it, it is going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, how well it works this season. Also a pretty good answer to why Gordon Hayward's not around anymore because it is the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker show. And he was number four. Well, and look, I mean, if the Celtics have been willing to give him, uh, you know, four years and 120 million, I could see him being like, all right, yeah, I can be number four behind all that. But yeah, here we are. All right, folks, uh, before we get to your questions, which are coming up next, I got to tell you, the stress of daily life weighs on all of us. I've been dealing with a lot of it over the course of the, uh, the, the last week in the NBA and trying to keep up with all this and stay up at all hours, tweeting at all times. But you have all been very kind to me. So whether you are an elite athlete or a regular person, and I am the picture of that, trying to get through the day, muscle pain, muscle tension, it's a real thing. It stinks. Tom could probably speak to it. He's out there in the men's league basketball games. He feels muscle pain. He knows happens to us when we get older. And that is why I use Theragun. It is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. If I had mine handy, I would I'd display it for you on video right now because that you wouldn't even know other than my moaning in approval how wonderful this thing is. It's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. It's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet, you will wonder, seriously, if it is even on, is this thing working? Oh, but let me tell you, it's working. While you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness, you will not get a better feeling. You have no idea what you're missing out on. you got to order one. The Theragun, it's a must-have for everyone and just in time for the holidays as well. Get the Theragun tool for ideal relaxation today. Give your body the break it so badly needs. Try Theragun for 30 days. Give it a try. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power. I keep telling you about the power. You need it. Starting at only $199. Go to Theragun.com slash beat. Do it right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Theragun.com slash beat. Again, that is Theragun.com slash beat. Tom, I don't know if you've done your holiday shopping yet, but I got to tell you, this is, uh, this, this is something that you got to throw in a stocking, pal. That, you know, like you could not have sold it more. <laughs> I have some back pain right now from all the chores that I do today. I would, I'd, be, I'd kill for a Theragun right now. Oh, I was out there the other day with the leaf blower, couple hours, and I realized that's that's not hard labor. I mean, a rake and a tarp, that's hard labor, a leaf blower. But still, that thing weighs on you after a little while. I'm not a strong guy. It, it gets heavy after a bit. You got to, I'm telling you, relax that muscle pain. All right. I you talked about the fact that you have some muscle tension after using a leaf blower for a few hours. You might, <laughs> might want to maybe do some calisthenics or something or maybe, you know, do like some I, working I, out I, at home. I have muscle tension just from talking to people about the Celtics lately there you go. with all that's yeah. been happening. Fair enough. We have, Fair enough. Uh, so I had asked for questions on Twitter and the people, they did not disappoint. I have a lot. <laughs> Let's get to as many as we can. And, uh, and to do that, I think we need to go rapid fire. So we'll, you know, anyone that has anything to say among the three of us, jump in, offer an opinion, then we'll move on to the next. And I will try as I read through them for the first time to not be repetitive because I'm sure a lot of them are pretty similar with regard to like WTF with the Gordon Hayward situation. Uh, Brian says, who should the Celtics target if 
they A, get a trade exception from Charlotte, or B, do not get a trade exception from Charlotte? What do you think? I, I have a tough time with uh, direct, like, names here, just because, like, there, there's so many, like, potential options. Like, you just don't know who might shake free. But I think that the answer is wings. You know, you should be targeting wings here. You need some versatility, um, you know, especially on the defensive end. I know we touched on it before, but, like, losing Hayward on the defensive end is a big deal. So I would be I would be very focused on any wing that I think can play some defense, and I would just trust that the offense is going to be there, you know, from everybody that you're relying on for offense that's already on the roster. Have you got a dream guy out there? And I have to tell you, Aaron Baines is no longer available, pal. He's signed, signed with Toronto while we've been talking. Uh, well, Toronto will, will treat him well. I, I, Tom's right <laughs> in the money here. Um, you know, barring an injury, you know, a specific group of, of like, so let's say like, you know, Jeff T goes down. All right. So now we're going to guard. All right. So, but that being said, wings and, 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 you know, Boston is, is focused on that primarily. I mean, it's why they draft Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown two straight years in a row. Um, you you add Neesmith in that particular regard, even when Hayward was sort of on the roster. Lady Wings. And I, I'm not quite sure who the, who the name is. Um, people are going to throw out, like, Bradley Beal because he makes a ton of money. And people are going to throw out mm-hmm. Carl Anthony Towns because he makes a ton of money. Uh, oh, don't Beal's count on that. Guy. Yeah, I wouldn't count on any of those two things. I just wouldn't because um, you have to give something to get those two guys. I don't think Boston has – I mean, they do, but I don't think they want to do that. So – um, I, I agree with Tom. I think it's some sort of defensive wing who maybe can shoot threes, you know, like a, you know, a PJ Tucker type. I don't know if it's not to be PJ, but somebody like that. Antonio says, how many more leaps will Tatum and Brown make moving forward with their careers? And I think you could argue that, uh, and this is me, not Antonio. I think you could argue that Tatum is to some a top 10 player now, certainly top 15. I think he could absolutely vault into the top five conversation, certainly by the end of his contract. You know, it may take a couple of years to get there. There's a ton of talent in that league, and he's still incredibly young at 22 years old. Brown, again, I think he's, I think he can be and will be a perennial all-star, but that's how I view the continued growth. We, we could, you know, Tom, if you want to delve into specific facets of their game that they could improve at, you know, feel free. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think that Tatum, we started to see it last year with his floater game. I think that's huge for him. I mean, when he gets downhill and and he can get to the rim like that and he can, you know, just kind of loft it over people. I mean, that's, that's just a tough shot to defend. It keeps defenses off balance. And I think that's going to be there for him a lot. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, You know, just kind of finishing around the rim. That's big too. I mean, Jalen, you know, I, I think it's fair to like, He's, he's a worker. Like, you know, he's going to keep working and working and working. Um, the levels that he's already jumped, it, 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 like, are impressive. And to me, they almost suggest, like, you know, certainly I'm sure he's going to try to go up another level. But it's like, how much more can you, like, realistically ask from a guy? Like, he went from, you know, uh, like a, a bench player to uh, an all-star just purely off, you know, or like a, uh, close, to a, close to an all-star at least um, just by working his tail off. So, I mean, I, like – Sure, he might take another leap up, but if he doesn't, I think it's worth remembering that like hmm. this guy has this guy has gotten himself to to quite a quite an impressive level already. I'm with you on Tatum, though. I mean, I, I think like you know you're talking top five in a few years, and I don't think that's ridiculous at all. I also don't think, with regard to, and this is a larger conversation, we'll save for another time. But with regard to Jason Tatum, you know, for anyone out there, it's like he should average 30 points a game. Do I think he's capable of that? No question. He has showcased that. I mean, hell, he basically did it from the all-star game on last year and and in through the rest of the regular season into the bubble. But I don't think you're looking for him to do that with all of those pieces around him that we already kind of talked about. I think if he's sitting around 25 a game, 
that's that's more than acceptable as long as he's you know reasonably efficient with his shot you don't want him you know taking 25 shots a game to average 25 points obviously but does he need to average 30 points i don't think so let's go to the next one though Shamrock's well, i just want to i want to i want to yeah. just point out real quick defensively both of them could use a little bit of work and if they and sure. if Jalen Jalen becomes a better off ball defender, then we're really talking because Jalen is an excellent on ball defender, but his off ball stuff drives me crazy sometimes. But if they could both lock in a little bit better on that end, the top five stuff for Tatum, absolutely, no question. I think I think Tatum's really good on that end already. Yeah. Like, oh like, yeah, you know, he's 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 pretty good. Uh, he's pretty versatile too. Elite, elite. Yep. I love this from uh, Shamrocks and Shenanigans. Also love the name. With Danny's stockpile of assets now gone, if you're Danny Ainge, what do you see as your biggest trade asset in the event a desirable player becomes available via via trade? And I, I'll uh, I'll leave that open a little bit in the event that Boston acquires a twenty or thirty million dollar trade exception. Obviously, in this deal with Charlotte potentially, but with what they currently have, what is the answer to that question, Tom? I mean, it's it's whatever you want it to be, man. Like, if, if there's, like, a guy out there that's, like, so... Well, but it's loose. not, right? Because, like, Tatum's not going anywhere. Brown's not going anywhere. I would, I like, probably. But, I mean, I think if the right guy comes available, you're going to have to have a conversation, right? Like, I mean, if Beal becomes available and you like him, I, I think you have to talk... Like, if, if that's a guy that you think can vault your roster to the next level, I mean, you know, like, I think you have to weigh some things. Uh, yeah, I mean... I, I think that the Celtics will have to have like uncomfortable conversations if if certain guys uh, if certain guys become available and like those might not be conversations that fans will like but I mean this team has has made it quite clear that what they expect and what they want to work for is a championship and you know to do that sometimes you have to you know sometimes you have to make uncomfortable decisions so I don't know we'll, we'll see we'll see. From Raphael, recent picks in Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague should that be enough to reach the finals? And I will remind you, this team, of course, was just in the conference finals. Uh, I'll be honest here. It's it's tough, you know, unless – I would agree. Unless Neesmith's going to be – or Pritchett's going to be, you know, a really awesome offensive player from the jump. Uh, I have a hard time seeing it. Uh, I think, you know, Milwaukee – we'll see. I don't buy Milwaukee yet either, by the way. Coach Bud's still a coach, and if he still isn't going to play Giannis <laughs> 37 minutes a game when it matters – and it doesn't matter who the hell they had in their roster. Um, the Brooklyn thing is what is what really is interesting here. You know, what does mm-hmm. Brooklyn look like? You know, they, they the Kyrie, Katie, team up. You know, we have we've never seen it. Don't know what to expect. I mean, it could be really high-level basketball. It could be a giant mess. No and will Harden wind up there? Yeah, we have yeah. no we have no idea. So um, I'll just say no. I, I don't think they have done it. Again, unless, you know, Tatum is going to be unreal and so is Brown fine but I don't think they've done enough yet I think there's pathways to it but I think you're right that I think you're exactly right that like part of the problem is that other teams got better like you know Philly got better and is being Mm -hmm. run by you know very competently now so like you know I think that those things matter and uh you know things could break right you know like Miami ended up in the finals last year and I don't think that they were the best team in the Eastern Conference but like you don't like to be in a position if you're hoping to make the finals you don't like to be in a position of relying on things breaking right yeah, better front office, and as much as people probably think I hate him listening to this podcast, Doc Rivers, better coach than Brett Brown, folks. So they, <laughs> they have, uh, they've upgraded. A uh, little uh, inside. Nobody blows 3-1 leads like Doc, though. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth. From I never doubted, do you think Grant Williams might be asked to guard more small forwards now that Thompson's here? And also, you think he can do it? 
think small forwards would be tough for Grant. Um, he works like crazy on the defensive end. I mean, when, before every game, I, like all of what he does is just like watch film and run defensive drills. So he really, really does work on that end. Um, you know, that said, he was working to try to contain point guards so that he could guard centers, so that he could be a small ball five. Guarding small forwards, guarding wings, that kind of thing, that, that's a very different type of ask. Uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, kind of getting through things off the ball. That's, you know, like being really attentive on that end. So I don't know how much they're going to ask him to do that. I think that the Celtics are going to kind of go by platoon, um, you know, at the big position, kind of the way they did this last year. Um, I think he'll get some minutes as the small ball center in that. I have a hard time seeing him being put out there kind of guarding threes at this stage in his career. So Ozzy says, speaking for all of us, what's the soonest we hear about this Hayward to the Hornets situation? <laughs> I, I wish I had an answer for you, Ozzy. I, I, I do not. Uh, man, this is like. Could you attempt to forecast what this deal is going to look like, by the way, assuming it is a sign and trade, you know, are are we talking about like Cody Zeller in a trade exception? Is it just a big trade exception? Is it, you know, picks in a trade exception? What do you think this looks like? I mean, I think it, part of it depends on like, can they rope in another team? You know, like, I think it's not Mm -hmm. impossible that they rope in another team and that they just kind of get something done with the traded player exception right now. Uh, Because, you know, like Evan was saying earlier, like, you know, sometimes those things just go unused and then it's like, well, what was this all for? Uh, so, you know, I think, I think it's possible that they try to rope somebody in right away and, uh, you know, like, like see what they can get. Um, as again, as far as players go, like, you just don't know who's going to be able to shake free at this point. It is, it is really tough to forecast any exact names. I love this here from Brian. What do you think the Celtics, he says nine man rotation. I'm going to make it 10 because Brad doesn't go nine. It, what do you think the nine man or 10 man rotation uh, looks like here? Just pretending everybody's healthy right now, smart off the bench as a two or a three. What is the bench scoring or where's the bench scoring come from? So I'll, I'll, I'll start you off. You know, we know, obviously it's, it's Tatum, it's Brown, it's Kemba, it's smart. It's uh, well, I, I think that, you know, Thompson and, Williams and Teague and Tice are probably all in there. That's eight. You know, Langford Langford in a perfect world is in there, obviously. So that's nine right there without even talking about these rookies or Grant Williams. That would be 10. You know, Shemi Ojale is not involved in what I just mentioned. I mean, what would you construct any of that differently? Um, Now I got to try to remember who, what players are employed by the Boston Celtics. But um, I think Neesmith would probably be in there. Um, I think he's getting, I think he's going to have a chance at least to earn some minutes. Cause I mean, he's just, uh, you know, especially like if you, if you take Romeo out since he'll be, it sounds like he'll be out for the start of the season, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, with his injury as well. So yeah, I think I would, I think I would slot Neesmith in there somewhere. Um, but you know, I, I, like, I think that's a pretty good list. Um, you know, you, and you could talk like obviously Teague is, is a backup point guard. If, if smart yeah. is like the two, um, you know, you might need a little bit more ball handling in there somehow as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be complicated, man. And it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. But I do think that Neesmith is going to slot in because I think he makes everybody's life a little easier with his spacing. For the people that can't sleep at night, VB17 says teams currently uh, constructed better than the team that reached the Eastern Conference Finals. Hayward was obviously out, right? Optics of losing a free agent notwithstanding, how is the offseason not considered a positive right now? Well, I think it's not considered a positive because he lost Gordon Hayward and like, you know, that hurts because he's a, he's a, he's a really good player and uh, they would be better if they had him. But to like, but to his point, you know, I think that that's kind of what I was touching on earlier. Like this is uh, like, this is a similar team to the team that knocked out the Raptors. So depending on how good you feel about that team, uh, 
I think their bench is a little bit deeper. So, you know, I, I think there's something there. I, I, I think this is going to be a very solid basketball team with a chance to make a little noise. Alex says, could John Collins be on the move? Would he be a desirable target for Boston? He's interesting. Uh, I think he could be on the move. I mean, I, I'm incredibly high on Onyeka Kungwu. Um, he was number the, when my final draft board came out because it shifted much more than I was comfortable with. Uh, he was number one on my board uh, <laughs> just because he's you know super versatile defender and all that. Um, man, Collins, I, I don't know. I don't know how he would fit on the Celtics. I think they're. I think they're doing pretty well right now, um, you know, with their big situation. I don't know whether they'd be willing to give up, like, the assets that would be necessary to bring back Collins, um, you know, like, especially not to improve, like, you know, Daniel Tice did well last season. Tristan Thompson could, could be the answer against some of these stronger bigs. So I would probably pass on him, but, you know, he, he's an intriguing guy for sure. Boston sports. Do you see Boston bringing it four potentially back? Christ. No, 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 he's not coming back. No, no room for him. It doesn't make a lick of sense. And it's not 2016 anymore. Why are we dealing with this every single day? This is not an attack on the, on the person asking the question, because I don't know about you guys. I've received this question. I don't know how many times, you know, whether it's in the last few days or in the last couple of years, it doesn't make sense. No, it does not. Love you, love it, but no. Yeah, it's just it was. I mean, it was so much fun. Like it it was fun to live in 2016. But yeah, I mean, yeah, 2016 was awesome. It was so much better than 2020. Like you know, whatever. (laughs) He can't defend. He's lost a lot. Uh, You know, he's he's just not. They already have enough small guards. You don't need another one. Yep. And honestly, and and. Like ego, like ego matters. And, and that's this, this is not me being critical of IT, like anybody in that situation where you go from being a fringe MVP candidate. I mean, he was top five that last year, a fringe MVP candidate to coming back and, and you just, you know, you got your role off the bench like that. And, and maybe you play, maybe, I mean, what a, you know, he could, he can go and have that role somewhere, but having it in Boston where all of a sudden you're just like a fan favorite that doesn't really contribute anymore, that would be tough to stomach, I would think, from a from a mental standpoint more than anything else, even if he is right physically. But that's, you know, again, it's a, that's a whole other thing. JR says, are the Celtics done with their roster? To which I say, JR, is Danny Ainge ever done with his <laughs> roster? <laughs> Never. Uh, that, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, and, and, I, and again, I think that it's worth watching what happens with the TPE and, and if they manage to rope in a third team. Michael says, forgetting about Bogdanovich, uh, if the Celtics create a trade exception from the Hornets sign and trade, which player or players, if you had to make a prediction, do you see them targeting or waiting to fall out of favor with their team between this offseason and next since they have a year to use it? Thanks, Adam. Love the podcast. Thank you, Michael. We love you. What do you think, Tom? I, uh, I Again, I, I know this is like such a cop-out answer. I'm going to defer because, again, I don't know who's going to shake free. But, like, I, again, I, I think it's got to be a wing. I think that's got to be who you're targeting. And, uh, like, you know, that, that's the biggest area of need right now. From uh, a user that already goes by Tristan Thompson season, what does 2021 <laughs> look like for guys like Romeo, Grant, Edwards, and Tremont? I noticed you left Taco out of there, but uh... – <laughs> Hurtful. So ignore that. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's it look like for the young guys here trying to fit in with all those other guys that we already mentioned? So I have some concerns about Romeo. <laughs> the, not the main red claws are going to be loaded. <laughs> they are. <laughs> That's what. 
I mean, I have some concerns about Romeo, not because I, I don't think that he can contribute from a talent perspective, but because yet again, he's missing out on like the start of the season when a lot of, you know, rotations start to be established. Um, you know, so I, I think that's a little bit concerning for him. I think he's a talented player. I think he's a much more talented defender than I thought coming in. So there's certainly a place for him, but you know, that's certainly something to watch. I have a hard time seeing, um, you know, Carson Edwards break into the rotation, kind of a hard time seeing Tremont Waters, even though, you know, I think that there's, um, you know, some intriguing stuff there. Like Peyton Pritchard is just taller. Like, like at some point that matters, you know, like he's just, he's just a bigger dude. And if he's ready to go having, you know, even if it's just a few inches like that, that matters, you know, in terms of, especially defensively. So, you know, we'll see with them as far as, I believe Grant was the other one that was mentioned. I think, I think Grant mm-hmm. will get some real minutes um, again. I think the big situation is going to be kind of a platoon and it's going to kind of matter like matchup wise who they're facing, but Grant showed some real promise as a small ball five. Maybe he can hit enough threes to space the floor enough to be, you know, a four a little bit here and there. Um, I don't think that's impossible. So he should get some real minutes. Um, I think that he'll be in the rotation as far as the other three with Romeo. I think it just kind of comes down to health and, and with the other two, I mean, you know, they, they've got to, they've got to show that they can beat out guys who are a lot taller than they are. From Lewis here, uh, Tom, and, and I mentioned earlier that I, I don't have notes. What I do have is a broken brain, though. Lewis, uh, you'd be more equipped to answer this from Lewis. Would you have preferred getting Miles Turner and Doug McDermott, or are you happy getting Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague? And also, was it even an either-or, or could you have had all four of them? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think you probably could have had all four of them. Yeah, um, is that possible? Well, that's I, I don't know. Think of right I mean, now. That's, what, get... that's why... That's why I referred to the broken brain. That's what I'm trying yeah, to Yeah, I know. Because they exception, obviously, on, on Tristan Thompson. Jeff Teague, you were able to slide in there as well. The, the yeah, Hayward. Yeah. The question know, is the tax. Where are they at right, with tax because, if they acquired right, Turner right, and, and right now they're going to be, uh, yeah, they'd probably be over it, whereas right now they're, they project to be under it. That's, that's right, I guess, yeah, what it right, comes yeah. down to. Which matters absorbing the... those guys and going into the tax. So that's yeah, what right. it is. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, so, yes, I mean, you so... could have had all four, but you wouldn't have wanted to. <laughs> potentially unless it would have affected yeah no yeah you're right broken brain as well um but yeah no I, I mean I, I think that the Celtics got kind of the better option of the two because again like with Turner you're talking about 18 million a year for the next three years with Thompson you're talking about the mid-level exception for the next two um you know as far as Teague versus McDermott I mean I kind of thought the Celtics should target a scoring point guard in the draft because I, I thought that that would help with both the bench scoring and a backup point guard. So they got that. So, I mean, I, to me, that's, that, that's a pretty good setup. Um, and, uh, you know, again, I think the Celtics would have liked to have gotten something back, something maybe concrete back for Hayward. We'll see if they do or not mm-hmm. via the, the TPE, but you know, all things considered, I think that what they got was better than the draft pick or was better than, excuse me, the trade package um, that they were, that they were kind of looking at there. Yeah, people have asked about the $5 million TPE there for Ennis Cantor and the $2.5 million TPE, obviously, for Vincent Poirier. So kind of a two-part question. One, do you see them trying to – because they've let TPEs expire in the past. It, it has happened. You know, do you see them using those within the next year that they can? And also, can you combine them? Can you get one player yes. for $7.5 million, which I believe, yeah, the answer is you yes. You can combine them. Right? I believe you can. And that's what would be really funny about if the one that they would get if they were to generate a, Hort, a Gordon Hayward, you know, sign and trade. Because if you add them right, all Right, you can get like a max contract guy. <laughs> Potentially. Well, it's just, that's just, you know – just, it'll, I, I, I don't think they'll use it because I just think, you know, if those guys don't become available, you know, most of the time, 
Um, but they'll have a really, you know, they'll have an option. You know, they'll have a way to, to acquire a guy, which will be. Uh, Here comes always, James Harden. Yeah, well, I've always laughed because, like, you know, for Tita, for Tito, um, out there in Houston, uh, you know, he's kind of, he's just going to say it feels kind of like a cheap guy. And, uh, you know, if you could well, he's find broke, a way. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could find a way to get him uh, and shake him loose a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm just saying it'd be, it'd be there. I don't think you're going to use it, though. I think it's, I, you can combine them. I believe you can combine them. I believe that's true. Uh, you might. I, I'd have to look into it again. My, my impression was you couldn't, but you might be right. Um, the, uh, but, but, I mean, the other thing to remember, too, though, is if they are chasing one of those max contract guys, um, it's very possible that those guys would – you would have to use guys on your roster who make money um, to acquire them anyway. You know, it's possible, like, right. again, you're chasing a max contract guy – you might have to trade like, like, like a Jalen or a smart or somebody who's making actual money, um, you know, just, just for the purely for the trade value, because they've already gotten rid of, because as has been noted, um, a lot of their draft picks are gone at this stage anyway. So, you know, something to keep in mind as well, um, you know, as you're looking at the exceptions and whether they can use all of them, but. Let's do one more because obviously we've, uh, we've run long. We'll let you go, but here it is from Chris, a lengthy question. Uh, but it's a good way to kind of circle and, and recap everything, especially going back with Gordon Hayward. People keep talking about the Celtics' biggest free agent signings ever, leaving being a poor reflection on Boston Kyrie as well. I see it more as freak bad contracts happening. Do you agree Horford is clearly overpaid, worst contract in the NBA? Is Hayward? Is Kyrie? Can he stay healthy? And last, did Horford and Hayward actually want out, or was it just the money? How do you view that situation? I view it in a couple of ways. I think one, it really hammers home how disastrous that 2018, 19 season was. I mean, Ugh, like, woof. I mean, brutal, uh, obviously Kyrie left and, you know, Kyrie, like you knew this when you got him, that he was like somewhat chaotic and he was, he was chaotic in Boston. Um, Horford. I mean, I think that if you told Al Horford that the team would have looked the way that it looked in 2019, 20, I think that there's a possibility that he'd be more amenable to sticking around. But again, He's coming off that 2018-19 season with the same bad taste in his mouth that everybody else was, and a team is going to offer him, you know, like like 109 million, I believe. Uh, like that's that that's a great situation. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can get out and you can get that. So um, with Hayward, it's tough to say. I mean, I, I think that he probably is looking forward to, you know, not feeling fresh like start. Yeah, like a fresh start. Not not being in Boston, all that. I, I like. I don't know that it's a knock. On, I don't think it's a knock on Boston at all. I think it's just he had some of the toughest years of his career in Boston. And it's just like, sometimes you just want new scenery. So um, I, so I think it's those two things. I think that part of it is just like, we can't over overstate the ripple effects of how bad that 2018, 19 season was. And, you know, just like other teams offered up a lot of money. And I don't think that has to do with the organization. I just think it has to do with one really bad year more than anything else. You know, I, I am a, I cover the Celtics in a loose sense. I say that because I'm not a journalist. I'm not at, well, no one's at practice now, but back in the day, back pre-pandemic days when people like Tom were at practices and, and talking to these guys on the regular, I'm not one of those guys. But even if I were, having grown up here, I think I would still happily tell you I am a fan. And it still keeps me up at night, Tom. Wondering, just the, the what-ifs in sports almost get me more than than the the actualities of what happened. Even the good things, by the way. Like the, you know, like the tuck rule broke right. You know, that that broke right. I still think about, though, 
like the, I mean, if Gordon Hayward doesn't get hurt 515 into his Celtics career, if he has a healthy first season, you know, it, it, it does in fact get crazy there with Kyrie Irving, you know, those two guys do what was intended. That doesn't mean win a championship necessarily, but you know, they have a great first successful season. Those other guys don't get young and cocky early and develop a great deal as well. By the way, that's, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown probably aren't where they are right now, if not for that first season as well. So there are pluses to, you know, there, there are two sides to the coin, but I still, that is just such a giant historical what if for me in Celtics history, that one freaking pass from Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward coming down wrong off that lob. And it, it, they, I'm not going to say they haven't recovered. They've gone to the conference finals three times in four years, but it does make me wonder if there was a, a title window in there that they missed. We'll trace it back, right? Because in that season, Kyrie obviously got hurt. If Gordon hadn't gotten hurt, then the Celtics have another like veteran star wing to give them some offense. Maybe in that, you know, that 2017, 18 run where they lost in game seven, because they went so cold Maybe they have a guy who can help kind of calm them down. You know, maybe they've got a guy who can just knock down a couple mid-range jumpers and keep them in that game, you know, long enough to pull it out and make a run to the finals. Like maybe like Tatum, Jalen, and Gordon develop something as a trio because maybe, you know, maybe a Rozier doesn't take 11 threes in that game. Seven. <laughs> maybe Terry Rozier doesn't take 11 threes. Like um, <laughs> then you move on to the next season and it's like, yeah, again, like so much of that season was like thrown off by the fact that, Gordon Hayward just was not Gordon Hayward and he like wasn't even close realistically. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you just put those, you plug those two what ifs in and you might be talking about a completely different team. So yeah, no, I a hundred percent losing, understand losing sleep over that one because uh, that's, that has had a lot of ripple effects on the Celtics um, in a lot of really negative ways uh, for a team that really looked like it was like too like in, in too good of a situation to fail uh you know in, in those early years given how good their youth was and how talented their veterans were well and you just think about and this is a whole other rabbit hole man but like you think about cat manipulation and because like nobody would have thought celtics would be able to to wiggle their way around you know losing the guys that they lost and still being able to bring in a max guy and kemba walker so like you can always maneuver certain things who knows like they have a great first year maybe flirt with a championship I mean they kind of already did even even though people didn't view them as a realistic contender to win it obviously they were still in that final four Kyrie has a great experience in Boston that first season I mean hell like we could be talking about Kevin Durant now being a Celtic you know what I mean like there there are so many different avenues that could have got so many other timelines if if, you know for community fans out there that that could have gone and it just it 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 blows my mind but then again you know I still think about the Kevin Garnett and Kendra Perkins injuries after they won a championship as well so what the hell that's sports right yeah it doesn't feel like this is the timeline where uh everything's burning down when uh yeah comes in with the pizza yeah exactly I I don't think that's I, I don't think that's where we are I think that it's it's one of the other ones uh but yeah uh, it's it's definitely not the not the one where Jeff comes back and everyone's happy. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Thank you Thank all, all for your questions, by the way. <laughs> yeah, let, all of them, all of them. We appreciate all your questions. Again, this show brought to you by BetOnline.ag today for your uh, exclusive. Go there for your exclusive sign up bonus. Go to Theragun.com/beat. Get one hundred fifty dollars off select items in time for the holidays as well, which are rapidly approaching. Who knows? Maybe there's some Black Friday deals that people can look into later this week as well. Man, I was hoping we'd have the uh, Hayward situation finalized by the time we were done. Clearly not the case, so we will 
live on in wonderment uh, in the coming days. But this was fun. It was good to just recap what has been a very eventful week for the Celtics here with you, Tom. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. I want to leave us with a good good note here. This is a great quote from uh, Michael Pina, who just, you know, awesome, did a great story on Jalen Brown for GQ. So just just to end the pot on a a great note here. Uh, Didn't make the story, but with Jason Tatum's extension official, this is what he told me a few weeks back when I asked why he and Jalen could work so well together. Quote, come into the NBA, you hear a lot of stories, and they draft the guy who can take your spot. There can be some animosity between guys you know without even knowing just something to secure their job, whatever it may be. But with JB, the one thing about us is we always push each other. And we always understand uh, we need each other, and we're not trying to get in the way or hold each other back. We're trying to lift each other up because there's enough room for both of us to shine. So you're two you know, young superstars on the same page. That's nice. I like well, that. If that doesn't send Celtics fans 6 to midnight, I don't know what will. <laughs> Just terrific. We appreciate everyone being here with us. M. Valenti, Tom Westerholm, I'm Adam Kaufman. We'll talk to you again next week.